The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Well, Lakers fans, Hoopball Lakers family, we're back with yet another episode, and we are blessed to have not one but both of us this time around. I am joined by JC DeLeon. He is JC DeLeon1 on Twitter, and of course, I am Ethan underscore Noroff on Twitter, and in real life, just Ethan Noroff. And this is the Hoopball Lakers podcast. We're coming to you with a brief episode talking about the state of the Lakers prior to the All Star break. Obviously, by the time you're listening to this episode, you realize that LeBron James is not playing in the final game before the All-Star break versus Sacramento Kings, and the Lakers are going to trot out a skeleton crew. So for all intents and purposes, for the purpose of this exercise, JC, we're going to assume that the Lakers will enter the All-Star break at 24-13. and 13. Do you think it's fair to project that loss? I certainly do, but hopefully it's a win. Hey, welcome <laughs> back. We're glad to be here together. Uh, yeah, it'll probably be a loss, and I don't think it's... Too concerning. It would it would have them tied with the Clippers. Uh, I don't think the Clippers. I don't know if the Clippers play tonight, but uh, yeah, that'd be kind of funny. Uh, tied at the three and four spot at twenty four and thirteen would be the Clippers and the Lakers behind the Jazz and the Suns of all teams. Clippers got one more game before the break on Thursday, so they could very well be uh, behind the Clippers or remain in front of them. But look, I know a lot of Lakers fans want to sit here and say, the sky is falling, the Lakers have lost so many games, what's going on? The reality is the Lakers are probably going into the All-Star break at 24-13 and 13, and at worst in fourth place in the Western Conference, okay? And yes, the Suns are ahead, yes, the Jazz are ahead. And while we didn't necessarily project either of those two things to happen, I remember a preview episode we sat here, we did with Brandon over at the Hoopball Clip Show. you got to check them out as well. Brandon always has great content, great stuff, great guests. We said, hey, the Lakers might be the two or the three seed when it's all said and done. I wasn't so sure about that one seed, largely because I felt the Lakers were going to be playing not just for the All-Star break, JC, but also just to get to the playoffs. you got to remember the short turnaround. The Lakers obviously won it all last year. This is sort of an exercise not in just uh, – getting to the starting line but the lakers are clearly playing for something greater and the reality is of course they've been playing without ad uh in the loss to phoenix no gasol no kuzma the one thing i will say i want to speak about the, the lakers generally here is from that one game the thing that stood out to me the most well the thing that stood out to me the most was that the lakers gave up 21 points to dario Saric. okay like let's let's just call that for what it is <laughs> but but beyond that I think the biggest surprise from this particular game, JC, is, is everybody thought Montrez was going to play as many minutes as he could handle. 18 minutes for Montrez Harrell. Do you understand that? Because I certainly don't. I don't. I thought he was playing pretty well, despite the fact that he only scored six points. Um, I mean, he seems to, when he's out there, make the most out of his opportunities. And so, I mean, he's had the occasional bad game, but I don't think, you know, that's certainly not been for a lack of effort. And I think I thought he was putting forth a good effort at the very least in the first half. I did as well. I was quite surprised that even though Jared Dudley only played 11 minutes and had maybe three or four good ones, I was quite surprised to see Frank Vogel continue to go small. One of the things I remember us talking about, JC, last year, especially in the playoffs, was Frank Vogel saying that he wants opposing teams to adjust to the Lakers, not the Lakers opposing to adjust, uh, adjusting to opposing teams. And it felt like versus the Suns, that's exactly what he did. He tried to play their game and wound up losing. Now, 
I'm not sitting here, this is not a critique on Frank Vogel. Obviously, without Kuzma, without AD, without Gasol, and on this particular team, you're going to have troubles inside, whether Montrez plays 18 or 30 minutes, it doesn't really matter. But I was surprised by that. Overall, Montrez has been fairly good for this Lakers team, and more or less what we expected. I think the bigger problem for the Lakers right now is what is going on at the shooting guard position. Because when the season started, J.C., KCP looked like he was right on track. In December, he was over 50% from three-point range. In January, he was 46% from three-point range. February, he fell off a cliff. And in the one game he's played in March to date, although it will be two prior to the All-Star break, he has been MIA like Nick Saban. Wes Matthews has had maybe one and a half good games all year long. So if neither of those guys is going to be capable of stepping up, I want to see more THT because someone on this team has to take the reins of that position. Maybe we see more Alex Caruso with Dennis Schroeder pairing in two point guard lineups. Whatever it is, I cannot continue to watch two guys who are not getting the job done. It does not make sense to me that KCP and Wes Matthews combine, combine for four points, but combine for 54 minutes when Montrez plays 18. Alex Caruso, 20 minutes. Of course, he left early with an injury. Taylor Horton Tucker, only 19 minutes, but also limited by foul trouble. So the other side of that conversation is if Taylor Horton Tucker wants more playing time, he's going to have to keep himself on the floor. But given what the Lakers have been getting from Wesley Matthews and from Contavious Caldwell-Pulp offensively, is there any reason that we shouldn't be clamoring for more THT and seeing what is possible at that shooting guard spot? Because I have been thoroughly unimpressed recently. Yeah, not at all. Uh, THT has been playing really well in the the limited minutes that he's been getting. He's less and less making some of those rookie mistakes for a guard. He does seem to find himself to uh, getting into foul trouble a lot. He uh, he takes charges that that end up being blocks, uh, so he takes defensive fouls that way. He's got really long arms, and so he puts his hand in the cookie jar a lot and gets caught doing that. And <clears throat> So if he can kind of mitigate that, it would definitely help him out and play more minutes on the floor. And same with Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso has improved his ability to run the offense through pick and roll, and he's shooting a lot better this season. And so, yeah, while there is the negative of KCP and Wesley Matthews all of a sudden not playing very well, there is the positive of THT and Alex Caruso playing a little bit better. No doubt about it. And I know so many people want to sit here and sort of bag on the Lakers defensively. And I have not been immune to that myself. I have been kind of, again, unimpressed with what I've seen, especially on the perimeter, going back to some of those guys who are supposed to be those perimeter defenders. But that said, the Lakers continue to be the number one team in defensive efficiency in the entire NBA by almost three whole units. 103.0 for the Lakers. Next closest is Utah at 105.9 going into Wednesday's slate of games. The bigger problem, JC, is the Lakers have now dropped to the bottom half of the league in offensive efficiency. Sandwiched in between the Pacers and the Grizzlies. Not a great place to be in reality, in fantasy, or from the team perspective. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break for an ad read. You know, ever since we started this podcast, people always ask us for betting tips. We always get asked, who you got, Lakers or Clippers? You know, for us, it's going to be the Lakers, Rodgers or Mahomes. And I'll tell you what I tell them. 
where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why we tell people to bet with my bookie. My bookie's rep is rock solid and they've got the best odds, the best contests, and the best promotions in the business. They're the only place I trust to handle any of my sports related bets. The one sports book guaranteed to give me and you the best lines for the national championship college football game on January 11th and on every NFL playoff game, not to mention the NBA action. You know me, and you know that I don't give out my stamp of approval easily. So my bookie, they earned it. And to earn it from me, you've got to be the best at what you do. And my bookie is the best sports book out there, period. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code HOOPBALL, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. You put in 1000 they'll give you 500 free money. So head on over to MyBookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games that you bet. Bet with the best. Bet with MyBookie. That's MyBookie.ag. Recently, when I have been watching the Lakers, JC, regardless of Dennis Schroeder's availability, it has been a lot of give the ball to LeBron and watch him. And that is eerily reminiscent to what we saw in Kobe's final years with the Lakers, where it was just give Kobe the ball and get everyone else get out of the way. There have been moments within this that where the Lakers have had crisp ball movement, where the Lakers have been swinging it around, where they have been making the right passes. But overall, this this offense may need a little bit of a reboot during the All-Star break. And I'm curious on your thoughts on that. Yeah, you, you hit it right on the head. The One of the things I liked most about the Lakers early on in the season was that you didn't see a lot of one guy dribbling and four guys watching. And lately you have seen a lot of that. And it's it's probably due to the stagnation of, of the season. This is kind of the midway point. They're going to be in the playoffs. Um, Frank Vogel is sort of experimenting with different rotations. So guys aren't getting consistent minutes because a couple games they'll be getting a lot of run and then a couple games after that they won't be getting any at all and so it could be any just combination of that uh, i think the all-star break will will definitely help set uh, reset everyone's mood and and expectations for the season look i mean these guys are definitely tired there's no question about it you can even see it in some of their uh, some of their shot attempts even, like some of the three-pointers that they have been unable to connect on because whatever it is, maybe it's tired legs or they're just they're not quite there. In terms of the pace, the Lakers continue to play, well, right in the middle of the pack, right? They're not a fast team. They're not a super slow team, but they're definitely more slow than fast. I think one of the biggest sort of drawbacks or, or fallbacks, maybe a better word, from what we saw earlier in the season with the Lakers is just has been their sustained inability to hit the three-point shot recently. Yeah, and that's kind of always always been their problem. It's the reason why you know we wanted them to go after more lockdown shooters in the off season than they ended up getting. Um, but at the same point, Wes Matthews is is kind of disappointing, and so is KCP in that regard. Absolutely, I mean the Lakers are down to the bottom bottom tier of the league in terms of just straight three three goal, three point field goal percentage. The teams that they're ahead of are the Pistons, the Cavs, the Thunder, the Wizards, and the Rockets. And that that's not a team any player wants to be a part of right now. And they've fallen desperately behind the pack in terms of just overall what they've been able to connect on. They continue to take a, a fair amount of three-point shots, but they're still in that lower tier, about 31 per game. But they're only making right now, JC, on average, not even 11 per game. And so when you're playing a team like the Suns, when you're playing a team like the Blazers, although they were able to squeak out the win there. 
these teams that are capable of hitting the three-point shot, when you have that level of disparity from the three-point line, that's how the Lakers are losing these games. And I'm not sure that the solution can come from the exterior. It has to come from within. KCP has to be better. Wes Matthews, if he's going to continue to play and remain in the rotation, has to be better. Alex Caruso is a guy who, you know, for a period of time this season, JC, was, was among the top leaders in three-point field goal percentage. That has not necessarily stayed true as the season has continued, right? He was 50% or better in December or January, but in February down to 22.6%. I mean, his field goal percentage has sort of precipitously declined over the course of the season. And look, I'm not saying the Lakers are supposed to make every and any open three that they have, but the quality of shots largely has not been the issue except for when the offense stagnates. It's just that they're not executing. And I have to think that, look, I know every team is going to give the Lakers their best effort on any given night. That's what happens when you're when you're the defending champion. I know the Lakers are going to have off nights as they continue to navigate injuries and protocols and whatever other obstacles that the team faces, not unlike any other in the league. But the reality is I think that, again, it just goes back to like this, this effort thing. And I'm going to use the game against the Suns in particular to harp on this because in the second quarter when the Lakers sort of made that push to get back into the game at a certain point – it was, it was the effort piece, right? There was a particular fast break that the ball swung around and finished with a LeBron hammer, and it looked like the effort was there, and the Lakers had, quote-unquote, turned on that switch. After Devin Booker was ejected, it felt like the Lakers had decided that they're capable of winning this game by sleepwalking it, and clearly that was not the case. So, again, this has been a central theme for a while now is the Lakers and the ability or inability, in some cases, to turn on the switch. This is something I want to see this team capable of harnessing prior to the playoffs arriving. Obviously, we still got half of the regular season to go, but I have to see more from this group in terms of harnessing that every night effort and energy because every team is going to continue to deliver their best effort. And the Western Conference, while the Lakers continue to be in a good spot, it's not exactly you know a, a huge disparity between the second seed and the 10th seed, right? It's a matter of just one losing streak, basically. So for the Lakers, the sky isn't falling, but there are definitely some signs for concern. And I think this really highlights, of course, we know the greatness that is LeBron James, but this really highlights the value of Anthony Davis on both ends of the floor because, man, the Lakers are clearly, and I mean clearly, a different team without him. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things that will definitely help in the second half is they've got a pretty difficult second-half schedule. And so, yeah, I don't think the schedule will really allow them to to sort of sleepwalk through any of it. And so that might help fine-tune them for the playoffs. Man, I hope you're right because we have to see something improving in a major way. We interrupt this podcast because we need a brief announcement. And it's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruise Letter is back. Oh, yes, back and fresh for the 2020-21 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Bruski, is writing an email newsletter filled with his most intimate fantasy nuggets. It is exclusive content that you cannot find anywhere else. It is not on the website. It is not in any podcast. It's not on social media. It is only in the email newsletter, and you can sign up to get it for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021. Aaron Bruski, straight to your inbox every day. Enjoy and win your fantasy leagues in the process. I, I'm curious if you think that the starting lineup is something that Frank Vogel will have any interest in tinkering with. I know before the season started, we kind of sat here and said, what's the ideal Lakers starting five? 
and more or less what we've seen for the majority of the season is kind of what we came to. But in an effort to maybe balance out the second unit, maybe get some of those guys more shots, I don't know what it's going to take. Do you see a scenario where maybe KCP slides to the second unit? Do you see a scenario where Alex Caruso can be starting in the first unit? I don't think Schroeder is going to slide to the bench because I don't think that's the direction the Lakers are going to go. But do you think maybe KCP moves to the bench just to try to get some more offensive firepower in there when he can come in with Kuzma in that second unit? I don't know because you kind of need KCP in the first five to space the floor too. So what? where can the Lakers go here? I mean, they could go a number of different ways. I mean, they could go with a bigger lineup and, and a more defensive-minded lineup, specifically rebounding-wise, since that seems to be Kyle Kuzma's niche this season. Is he's found, you know, he's sort of his his mindset around rebounding has has changed completely from early in his career, and so that might help the starting unit to have a little bit more of a defensive-minded uh, lineup and then KCP might be able to help the defense of the second unit. And that might also help free up THT and uh, Montrez. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that, you know, for, for the Lakers, they're going to have to at least sort of play around with those ideas at minimum, right? Just to try to see what the feasibility is because there's something's got to give here. I mean, on the other side of the break, the Lakers are going to come out and start playing teams that are high energy. They're going to have to be able to match that. And I, I don't know that Anthony Davis is just going to be ready on the other side of that break. In fact, if I had to make a bet today, JC, I would not bet that Anthony Davis is back on the floor for the Lakers when, when the action resumes, would you? Um, probably not. I, I would say they probably wait a little while, just as long as they can. I think so, too. And look, the Lakers continue to keep at least one roster spot open. Obviously, Damian Jones is a guy we haven't talked about too much because he's new to the team. You have to like what you see generally so far. It's been a very, 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 very small sample size. But he definitely presents a dynamic this Lakers team does not have currently or would not have without him. I'm interested in sort of keeping him around as a potential development project, but not at the expense of pursuing somebody who could be more immediately helpful because let's be honest the lakers are playing for the immediacy i just don't know that that player is going to emerge on the buyout market because it seems to be trending in a very certain direction and wing help especially around the three and d that's what teams play a pay a premium for now jc those aren't the type of players who wind up just getting cut loose for a whole lot of nothing i mean when luke Kennard makes 64 million dollars over four years you can see the emphasis that teams are trying to put on 3 and D style of players. Yeah, a lot of people seem to think that Andre Drummond will be a candidate in the buyout market. And I just, he, I think he provides enough value to where the Cavaliers can find something for him. So they're, I don't see the Cavaliers buying him out because I, I do think he's a good enough player that still provides a lot of value. I think the buyout will be players who are going to be largely ineffectual, like, Blake Griffin is a buyout candidate. Um, it's hard to buy him out, though, because he, he, his, his would represent the biggest buyout in history. He's, he's still owed, like, $51 million. But, yeah, he's, they, what he provides isn't necessarily what the Lakers would want. The Lakers would want some kind of a big, whether it be a Drummond or a JaVale or even, like, a Hassan, Hassan Whiteside. But at the same time, yeah, Damian Jones has showed a lot of promise, uh, but we haven't really seen him play with LeBron a lot. And that, I think, is the true litmus test of where he's going to fit in. If he's going to play a lot of minutes, you've got to see how he plays with LeBron. Like, Caruso plays really well with, Le- with LeBron. So does THT. You've got to – and t- so does Montrez. Like, everyone everyone who's been playing minutes plays really well with LeBron. And so that's where Damian Jones has to find his role on this team is how well he can play with LeBron on the floor. 
Yeah, and I think that's going to be the next litmus test for him as the Lakers try to forge, you know, sort of a renewed identity. I think the Lakers know who they are as a team, but I think they're struggling to figure out what what their roles can be when Anthony Davis is not available, when if and when LeBron James is not available. Right? I know that's that's rare, obviously, but they have to be able to and and to do it consistently to be able to step into those roles and not just sort of subjugate themselves into, well, I'm just a supporting player and I'm going to play my role no matter what. No, when one of your big two are out, you have to be able to step up. You have to be able to execute in those moments. And, and yeah, the lights are bright in L.A., but, you know, it, it is what it is. You, you were on a championship team last year. I think the impact of not having fans is clearly – uh, a factor in how the Lakers have performed in particular at home. They've been better on the road than they have been at home, and I expect that trend to continue. Ultimately, the seating doesn't really matter to me in this particular season because while some arenas are allowing you know, a limited number of fans, obviously the Lakers are not, and, and it's not in the immediate forefront, not in the immediate uh, future here, although things are getting better. But I think the Lakers have to divorce themselves from that and stop blaming the exterior and start focusing on the interior. And look, I don't know how much practice time they've really been able to have. I'm sure Frank Vogel and his staff have been, you know, sort of doing walkthroughs and a lot of video and sort of supplementing that practice time while trying to get their guys rest. So it's hard. I have no doubt. And, and I'm not trying to sit here and say it's easy, right? Because it's it's a hard exercise to do. But by the same token, I think we all sort of expected the Lakers to be a little bit further ahead than they currently are, right? Like if you told me at the All-Star break, JC, that Lakers would be 24 and 13, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that seems fine. You know, I think like 20, you know, they, they probably should have like 10 losses, right? So you'd like to see that closer to be like, you know, 30 and 10 or, you know, 27 and 10, something like that. But it's not the end of the world, especially because the majority of teams are, you know, all kind of still lumped in together. And look, every team has been subject to, you know, whether it's the protocols or injuries or not knowing who's going to play on any given night. The piece with the Lakers for me is they don't have a lot of flexibility from within to try to solve some of these more obvious holes. So, yeah, I mean, when Marcus all comes back from protocols, you know, assuming all is safe and well with him, hopefully, you know, it'll help. Of course, having Kyle Kuzma will help, right? Like that's a huge piece uh, to that Suns game in particular last night. But really, it's all about AD. I mean, once AD is back, if we know he's healthy and he's back and he's ready to go alongside LeBron James, that's what's going to be the elixir for this team. So anything these guys can do in the interim to at least keep the ship afloat, I think would be met with open arms. It's just sort of the the exasperation that Lakers fans are sort of all experiencing together of, man, another Wesley Matthews missed three. Man, another KCP missed three. Man, another opportunity, you know, where, where Jared Dudley's playing too many minutes. And I know that it's not fair to harp on Jared Dudley, right? He's barely <laughs> in the rotation. But at the same time, it's just like we celebrated the depth of this roster all offseason long. We said it improved on paper. We said the Lakers got better. They got deeper. They got real playable NBA depth. And I think so many are sitting here wondering uh, how to evaluate that opinion that they might have had previously based on what we have seen without AD available. Yeah, and, and I mean, some of that could just be tied to the inconsistency. Like I said, like Markeith has actually played re- really well the last couple of games, and so it makes you wonder what was going on in those stretches where he was getting, you know, DNP's, you know, coaches' decisions for, for a couple of games because he's played really well lately. But at the same time, it doesn't solve the problem of with without Anthony Davis and without Marcus Hull, this is a pretty small team. And. Despite Houston still sticking to their small ball mantra, I just think I think it's been proven that it doesn't really work. You need effective, true bigs. And and this is the this is the key piece here. Kyle Kuzma is really the Lakers' only trade asset. 
And if you're going to trade Kyle Kuzma, you have to get not only a, a playable piece off the bench, and I mean, you know, somebody who could be a sixth man, but you, you need to fill other sort of spots in your roster. And I don't know that sending out Kyle Kuzma, let's just say the Rockets called and said, hey, we'll, we'll give you PJ Tucker and uh, we want Kyle Kuzma. Like, does that make the Lakers better? I don't think so. No, and any 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 trade that the Lakers could make would probably involve I've talked about this some some combination of of one or both of Kuzma and THT and I think once AD is back I think it'll prove that this team is good enough and and they they just kind of have to stand pat like I think I think you hold on to to THT and his potential uh Kuzma I do think is tradable if you can find the right deal it's just you know what's the right deal really um, right. Houston is an interesting piece because the, they do have one trade that I went over in one of my episodes where, you know, the Rockets are obviously kind of tanking this season and Victor Oladipo turned down an extension. So he's not going to stay and they're not going to buy him out. And so, you know, I think that sort of puts the leverage on any other team that wants to trade with Houston. And I think if you could hold on to THC and make some kind of a package that, that that's like the youth of KCP, the veteran leadership or the youth of Kuzma, the veteran leadership of KCP and like, and like a Wesley, Wesley Matthews. I could see Houston accepting that deal, a Kuzma, KCP and a Wesley Matthews for, for an Oladipo, something like that. And that is, is a move that I would make. I think the Lakers are going to have some important decisions to make as we continue to get closer to that trade deadline and try to, figure out what sort of pieces they can put in place around LeBron and AD in order to supplement the production that they bring on any given night. But the reality is, like you said, LeBron and AD on the court, as long as KCP is playing up to his even average potential, so long as Alex Caruso is playing up to even his average potential, Trez, Markeith, Caruso, all of those guys, not to mention THT, this team is more than good enough. And that's what I think where the frustration lies for so many Lakers fans right now is that, yes, we, we know AD is, is great, okay? We know his value to this team. But this team should still be good enough to win without him against teams that are outside of their division, shall we say, okay, or underneath their division. And I think that's the sort of effort that so many Lakers fans want to see because on the one hand, there, there's the perspective of, okay, we know what the Lakers are playing for, right? Kind of like what I discussed. But on the other hand, it's this, you get accustomed to greatness, and then all of a sudden, that's what you want to see all the time. So it's a very delicate balancing act, and I, and I think you have to just sort of holistically approach it that way in order to best digest it and process it. Don't be surprised when the Lakers get out-efforted, but still be able to demand that effort. Like, I, I don't mind when the Lakers lose games, okay? I'm not saying the Lakers should never lose. <laughs> what I am saying, though, is... I want to see them, you know, if they're going to lose games, I want to see them lose games that, that have the effort there, right? Like, I think back to the game against the Sixers, where they came back from, like, double digits down in the late in the fourth, and then they got beat with a Tobias Harris last second, you know, floater in the lane. Okay, like, that's a type of loss that I'm okay with because the effort was there at least down the stretch. I felt like the Lakers just sort of at a certain point and against the Suns, but in particular in this recent game of, uh, stretch of losing games, where they just basically said, eh, we're done here. Yeah, for sure. Like the efforts, what what you want to see, and I mean, it's frustrating. Where at times, or even LeBron sort of exhibits that that kind of lack of effort sometimes. Um, and it's it's why you know he probably should have taken you know more than a couple couple games rest rather than just this one that he's taking tonight. But yeah, I think you know once, once they get closer to the playoffs, it'll probably work itself out. 
Let's hope so, man, because we got to see a better effort when it comes to what the Lakers have on the other side of the All-Star break. I mean, when you look, obviously, you got uh, when the when the games resume, the Lakers are playing the likes of the Pacers, the Warriors, the T-Wolves, the Hornets, the Hawks, the Suns, the Pelicans, and the Sixers right out of the break, okay? So, save for the Wolves, there isn't a lot of space or room to sort of let up there because while those teams are of varying um, – competition levels we'll call it they are they are all effort teams and those teams could all beat you with effort alone the lakers get a little bit of a reprieve after that by playing teams like the Cavs and the magic but then it's right back into it with the bucks the kings the clippers the raptors the heat the nets i mean it's like you said jc this is not going to be just a, an easy second half slide for the lakers there are going to be a number of challenging games on the schedule leading all the way up to the end end of the year when, when you're looking at closing out Against you know, with games against the Suns, the Knicks, the Rockets, the uh, the Pacers, and the Pelicans. So you know, this th- there's no going to be no break for the weary. So hopefully, the Lakers can use the All Star break to rest. They can use the All Star break to recover, and they can use the All Star break to sort of come back together and say, okay, now it's time to push forward. Because at a certain point, you have to have to make it about more than the regular season, despite the fact that we all know that they're playing for the games that extend beyond the regular season. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see how it shakes out. Hopefully we continue to see more good things from THD. Hopefully we continue to see the return, or we should say, or I should say, we see the return of the good KCP. We continue to see the version of the Lakers from behind the three-point line that we saw earlier in the season, more about execution than personnel. And hopefully we can get these Lakers back on track, back into the win column more than the loss column. Enjoy the game versus the Sacramento Kings. Hopefully you guys get a little bit of a reprieve during your All-Star break as well. Take some time off, go outside, take a walk, get some fresh air, do it safely, all of those things. Until next time, Ethan, JC, follow our show on Twitter at HoopBallLakers. Follow the whole HoopBall family at HoopBallTweets at HoopBallFantasy. We'll talk to you guys soon. We out. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.